Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. Besides doing a morning show in Toronto, Canada, I also do a national talk show, and I get some great guests. Recently, I did a segment where I united my fashion stylist, Alexis Hans, with one of her industry idols, the founder and CEO of Trini London, British TV celebrity, and global beauty entrepreneur, Trini Woodall. We had such a great conversation that I wanted all of you to hear it. So here we go with two outstanding and talented women from two different continents meeting for the very first time. Hello. Hello, my darling. How are you? Can I just say the beginning of the show is so brilliant too, because I love this audience there. I mean, I feel we're talking to more than just you and I. We feel that. And sometimes even in a studio, you don't sense that. But your your I know your show has an audience normally in the, in the building, right? That's right. And we go coast to coast even more so with having them online. And I think we're going to incorporate that when we go back to studio. This is a woman, everybody who knows about television. You know, some of our Canadian viewers may not remember this. I do. Uh, when you co-host the original version of What Not to Wear on the BBC. Gosh, I never wanted that show to end. Did you have as much fun as we had watching it? I had so much fun watching it. Uh, watching it. I had so much fun making it. Um, and at the time, it was very different as a show. And and every single one of those contributors to that show, you know, has a little place in my heart because it formulated my my passion for women's stories and, you know, what they go through and how we show that emotionally and we show that physically on our body and how we do our makeup and our hair. And it was about shifting women and how they're feeling about themselves. And there is nothing more gratifying to me. Well, the, the other thing, too, is that show came from some from an article, a column that used to write with Susanna, right? Yeah, it came from probably the beginning of that, Marilyn, was when I was six and a half and kind of the word dumped is wrong, put in a boarding school by my parents. You know, that was just convenient for the circumstances at the time. We are talking very late 60s. And so I just always wanted to kind of make over my friends. It was a thing I did at the weekend. And I that's probably why I got, you know, when you get, where do you begin to get that little passion? So like Marilyn, where did you get that little passion for for, for the woman you are today and when, how far back can you trace that? And the same I'd say to Alexis, but it's, it's for me, I can trace it back to that moment because it shifted how I felt about myself. And I think that when we choose career paths or passions, it's how much it, it shifts how you feel about yourself as to how much you love that thing you do or not. I think for me, it, it was uh, uh, when I started talking into doorknobs as microphones and using my mother's stand-up vacuum cleaner as a microphone introducing <laughs> people on a show that was made believe. I love that. How old were you when you did that? How old were you when you did that? Uh, that's five or six, just like you, you know, thinking yeah. about, uh, you know, kind of yeah. having the time to create and, and seeing things on television, but also creating my own kind of world. And that's exactly what you did. You know, uh, I'm not too far off where, well, yeah, I'm much older than you. I'm 63 this year, but I love the fact that when you, I watch you on Instagram and I, hear you speak, uh, it, you're speaking like a girlfriend. It's like, it's not far reaching. This is how I get this done. This is what I do. Yes, I have so many closets, but that's because that's what I do for a living. Putting your shoes on all the stairs about where you got the shoe and the memory of the shoe and how you felt about the shoe. Does the shoe still work? Should I give it to my daughter? These are all relatable things, Trini. It mm -hmm. comes naturally yeah. to you. And I think that's why you resonate. Um, and you, that's why you're still going strong. 
still going strong, Incarn reincarnations. But I think also over all those years, and you must have had this in interviewing people, etc. you've got all those voices inside yeah. your head. So I probably have, you know, 3,000 women's voices inside my head of how they feel about themselves, their body, their makeup, life, their man, their partner, you know, all that stuff. And that's mm -hmm. my kind of research tool. So when I was getting to a stage of, of, you know, what I'm doing now, it was, it was all in a way prep for that because having those stories from women has really helped me understand what they might need and when they might need it and how need it and how I can talk to them about it. But it does, it's got to start with yourself. And I think that you and I are familiar with a camera. So talking down a lens to me, you know, you sort of bypass all that, you know, when I'm talking down the lens, like when I'm doing it now, I don't see the computer all right. I just think down there, there's all these women I'd love to connect with. And that's my sort of focus. Mm -hmm. And so that self-awareness goes because you're just thinking about that. You're thinking about the person in the room with you and what you want to say with them if they were in the room with you. That's right. It's almost like breaking through that fourth wall, which was a weird yeah. thing for me when I got home. I'm home in my home. And I was just saying to a friend of mine the other day, when this whole pandemic lockdown situation happened... I felt so rigid. I felt like, you know, I was talking to a computer, which I don't normally do. And after a while, the fourth wall broke. Uh, the yep. world opened up talking to somebody like you, you know. And then I thought, okay, we're just having, these are two women talking about wor the world, business, what they're doing right now, and how they're feeling about things. I love that. Uh, there's something that's very positive about this uh, kind of recalibrating. Let's talk about... Um, you're as organized and 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 as uh, linear sometimes as I am when it comes to packing things up and sitting on the floor and getting your little you know uh, you, you were showing the other day on on online. Tell everybody what you're doing. Like you're ready to travel. I'm ready to travel. I mean, we were launching a new kind of you know bag to put things in um, for Trinity London, and I yeah. am as obsessed with that sort of twenty nine pound bag as I am with the latest skincare product we make. You know, skincare makeup hybrid. But yeah. for me. I feel that my brain is more orderly when outwardly there is more organization. And I feel like if I'm in this room and it feels chaotic, inside my head will feel chaotic. So it's a very emotional driving force for me to feel that sense of not, not to an extent of everything must be in its place, but it makes me calmer, Marilyn. Yeah. You know, it just makes me calmer. So, so you know, putting my my little supplements into little things and then writing down what they are because who forgets when you buy a supplement on impulse what it actually does it's the same with a skincare product you're sold at a counter and you think what does it actually yeah. do and you forget you know you might be in menopause right. and you're prescribed by your doctor various things and you kind of forget what they do so I always write down on everything what what's this doing for me to remind myself why I should take it or put it on my face or, or whatever it might be so that's, I think, where it stems from. I was, as a child, the kind of child which my daughter inherited. And now she can't bear it that I know her secret. It's like my mother would go, tidy your room. And then, like, everything would go. She'd come in, and it would be immaculate. And she'd open, you know, the cupboard, and it was, like, pour out like a subterranean spell. <laughs> so, um, so I think I got over that in my 20s. <laughs> you did. You did. I see behind you Trini London, and you mentioned that just a moment ago. You started your own makeup company a couple of years ago. I, this morning, it's so funny, I was putting on my makeup and I'm, I got to purchase some of that because I love, you know, when you put an outfit on, then you decide what kind of makeup you're going to put on. It's brilliant. Uh, I was starting, I was putting on my blush like you do. Like, just put this on and <laughs> bring the cheeks up. And you're so, like, it's what I love about it. It's just easy. 
easy. It doesn't have to be science, right? We have so much complication in our life already. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I think that's the thing. We have so many things that can be complicated, you know, emotional relationships, everything. So it's how can one, how can we have things that really make it easy for us to do? And I think with something, you know, with clothing, with makeup, with all these things, we get to a stage in our life when maybe we want to rethink our routine and we need some motivation to help us rethink our routine. And I sort of try and think of all those, like those women in my head, what were all the things that stopped them having a chance to rethink things? And how can I remind women of those things? Like I will meet a woman in her, you know, I'll meet a woman of any age and I might know the era in which she started to do her makeup because generally it's, this is two analogies for you. I don't know if you can identify with them, but I think that women uh, keep to a makeup look that they fine-tuned when they felt their most appealing as a woman, attractive. They first discovered their sense of sexuality. I'm going to put it right out there. Men dress in the era in which they felt most fabulous. That's why you get some men who are very retro dresses in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, because you know they found an era and their haircut and everything, and they stick to it because that, that's what makes them feel virile and manly and all these things. So, so I think with women, I will just say, you know, I know that you grew up and you were formulating yourself in the 80s because, you, you know, that bronzer is like this and you you kind of, you know, you, you were in the 90s, you were that kind of kid and you did that really heavy black eyeliner. But everything that we do at a certain age, we have to kind of reset and think, does it work for the woman we are today? And also the woman we want to be today. And so I think that's what I'm continuously trying to do, like for, for Trini London, for bringing out new products, for making it easy for somebody, for helping them decide which colors they suit through our personalization, to my information on dressing and the closet confessions, and just about rethink what you do now and consider, does it work for who you are today? And, and the, the routine can be so much fun. Instead of dragging your, you know, your butt to the bathroom to put on the makeup that you've had for a long time, it gives you kind of this new, look at all this fresh uh, the fresh ideas, fresh approach. I know your skin's changed. It's not like it was in 1976, Marilyn, when you graduated from high school. But you know what? <laughs> Listen, girl, you're going to be 63. You're doing okay. Well, as you know, one of our resident style experts is a huge fan of yours. Trini, here's why. Hi, I'm Alexis Hans, and I'm a fashion stylist, and I've been in this industry for almost 13 years. Pretty crazy when you say it out loud. I'm so lucky that I get to do this every day because I absolutely love my job. One of my industry idols is, of course, Trini Woodall, the one and only Trini Woodall. I'm absolutely obsessed with her. She is so much fun. She feels like my best friend because I see her on Instagram daily where she shares all her style advice, but I absolutely adore her. Now, I know her from Instagram, of course, but the world knows her because she is a TV celebrity. She's a fashion expert. She does unbelievable makeovers on women that are just absolutely gorgeous. She's the founder of a makeup brand called Trini London, which is really, really cool. You have to check it out. And she's also an author, a speaker. The list goes on. This woman has done it all and is such an inspiration. I cannot wait to meet her. I love Trini's style because really there's one word to describe it, and that is 
fun. Her style is so fun. She totally embraces color. The bolder, the better. She teaches you how to mix color together. And she also loves sequins. I remember when I started watching her, she was talking about sequins a lot. And she believes that sequins can be worn at any time of day. And I'm totally for that. I absolutely love it. And I started filling my closet with sequins shortly after. She doesn't hold anything back. She's probably the most real person that I see on Instagram. And she doesn't stop. She delivers this amazing content day after day. And she's inspiring millions and millions of women. Trini has definitely inspired me. I mean, I think just from Instagram alone, I've been so inspired by her videos. She dives deep into topics and really does explain it so that everybody understands why she's putting these clothes together so they actually learn. So instead of just throwing up a photo every day, she's taking the time to make a full-length video for everybody about why certain colors work together or how to pair tailored pieces with casual pieces. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. So she definitely inspired me. I show up on Instagram on video format just like her a lot more than I would have without seeing her stuff for sure and she just inspires me to like keep up the energy and be excited about fashion and not be afraid to show it and to share that with everybody online if Trini was standing in front of me I'd probably freak out um, which I do not do very often but she's such an icon I would definitely say thank you so much for being an inspiration not only to me but to such a community of women on Instagram thank you so much for showing up being you being real and inspiring generations of women oh I love it Trini this is Alexis I mean that is the sweetest 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 thing I can't Alexis thank you Trini it's such a pleasure to meet you yeah, this is the magic of what we're doing right now during the lockdown. I'm going to let you take uh, give questions to to uh, Trini. Alexis, this is your moment. Trini, are you ready? I'm so ready, darling. Thank you. Okay, so I do have a few questions for you. Most of them are going to be style related because you kind of pick your brain as a stylist and then a few business ones. But my first question is about your energy. I mean, I think you're one of the most energetic people that I've seen on Instagram, but in everything you do. But as a stylist, I see you get excited about getting dressed every day. And I know for women, it is daunting to go to the closet every morning and pick up an outfit. So like, what's your tips and tricks to like get that excitement feeling, especially after the pandemic, or maybe they had a baby like me, there's a new body you have to dress. How do you get excited every day about fashion? I think there's there's the beginning of that, if you're feeling unexcited, is to go to um, Amazon, buy yourself a rail, even if you're in a studio, even a rail this big, right? Because our closet is boring, we're used to it, it doesn't feel fresh. You need to kind of see and think, what is something through that sea of clothing that I think I adore and why do I adore it? Put that on the rails. So just build up the sense of your most inspirational things. They needn't be something that's a special occasion because, frankly, cost per wear is really bad on that. They're things that just when you wear them, you feel happy, you feel energetic. That's when, if you think, I don't know what color suits me, that's probably when you're instinctively going for the colors that really suit you. So do that first. Then the other big bugbear, not bugbear, but the other big thing that I have, and we all have this as, we as women, is we put something on when we have that few moments, try stuff on, and then we think I'll wear it next Thursday, or we'll wear it two days later, and we put it on and we think it looks dreadful. Now, we didn't put on half a stone. We didn't eat 17 tubs of ice cream. You know, nothing happened apart from our we have change in our mental state about how we view ourselves. So it's being able to try and take a step back from body image and just think, when I tried that on and I had the time and I wasn't full of other stresses in my head, did I love that outfit? 
you know? And then if the answer was yes, then think, okay, let me challenge this noise inside my head. These thoughts are not me. They're a kind of interpretation of me. And just tell them to pee off, okay? And put it on and just say, you know, I remember I felt great in this. So where can I get that memory back from that I felt good? So that's one thing I'd suggest because many, many women struggle with body dysmorphia or struggle with yo-yo sense of their size. And I think size shouldn't hinder you. You know, it's about really knowing your shape. I'm sure you've said this a lot, Alexis, when you're talking to women on this on this show. It's It's like, try and dump that. And the only person who really challenges that is stores that don't do inclusive sizing. And it's difficult. We know the challenges for department stores and for brands, especially right now, you know, there's many financial challenges for these brands and to make, you know, 12 different size ranges. It's kind of, that's tricky, but also there's an ability now to understand more about customers and data online. So they should be being clever about it. You know, I know for an example, I'm going to give you an example from day one with Trini London, it was so it was like a given i should be inclusive on age on skin tone on everything that nobody should look at the brand and feel i'm excluded from this you know even somebody who's on a very small salary that they would feel okay i'll save up per month for it because i get why it's premium and why i need to save for it whatever the reason being but i think on on the point of this that you just you know i make many different colors and things and some will sell very little and some will sell a load but i need to make those colors you know i need to make that i have a responsibility as a brand to do that so that no woman feels excluded and i kind of feel clothing needs to be the same so that's my bugbear out there i'm just sorry that was an aside i did not answer any question on that it's just i have a passion for it and i just need to say it and chloe and i recently my my partner in crime on friday twinning we did a, a sort of zara friday twinning and she was in an xl and she couldn't get it over her thigh and i thought how profoundly body shaming is that that the word xl first of all is on a garment because you're you're defining what to you represents xl you know so there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of things around this, but so I'd say get the rail, look at things that give you passion and give you love and make you feel good. When you have, you know, everyone is super busy, but right now still, I know Canada is just coming out of lockdown. So there is that bit of time to think, what do I love and challenge, you know, watch your content, watch my content, see what did I never think I should put together and let me challenge myself. And then this is the other thing that we are influenced by what other people think, Alexis. We all are as women, some to a greater extent than others. But if you, you know, change over your makeup a bit, put something on that slightly challenges you and think, I just want to see how people view me now. Have I become more present in the room? Do people listen a tiny bit more to my opinion? Am I the silent person in the corner? Do people see the dress before they see me? You know, it's really interesting to see how things change around you by challenging yourself to, to consider rethinking your routine and doing something a little different. You are a wealth of knowledge, right, Marilyn? <laughs> oh, right there. Yeah, wealth of knowledge here. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I'm writing things down. Also, true stylist, because once you work with a clothing rack, you never work without it again. So that's so interesting that you're telling everyone to buy that. That's such an amazing tip. Okay, the next question is kind of about your career. And I was just wondering, because it's been amazing, one, everything you've done is so super successful, and it's also evolved into so many different things. Was there any point of your career where there was like a key decision that you can kind of remember that you think, if, you if I didn't make that decision, it might have not turned out this way? Was there like a turning point or something like that in your career? 
I first of all want to say that we can look at people that we haven't followed each year and think, oh, that was a trajectory. My career has been, <laughs> that's what I first wanted to say. You know, I've had really some fallow years and, and years where I've lost my faith in myself. And I've had three incarnations of my career. You know, I started off thinking I should be in finance because my dad was in finance. And I thought I, I'm the youngest of six kids, of which the first three, by the way, are Canadian. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, make him notice I was here. So I went into a career I didn't want to do. I spent a few years doing that. Then I realized I didn't. I went back to what made me happy and, and grew about, you know, doing a column in a newspaper on clothing. So that then had a 10-year cycle. I did that, that column that led to one book, which didn't do so well. Then I did a TV show, which did really well. Then I did, you know, 11 books, which sold 3 million copies. So successful books. And then I reached a point where in the UK, like lots of things on TV, there's a there's a passion for something, and then it's over. And I, then Susanna and I, at the time, Susanna was my my work partner and my bestest mate, and we thought, okay, and a tiny um, company in Belgium, we happened to sell some magic underwear in Belgium, all right? We had this company called Magic Knicker Company. We sold it in Belgium, so they said, can you come and make a show here? And as we were Trini and Susanna, no friends in television in England. We said, yeah, you know, we have to pay the mortgage. We've got to pay our kids. Um, we'll do it. We're the main breadwinners in our family. So we then went from a lucrative salary we'd have for years and a revenue for books to very different, but, but working probably three times as hard. I left England on a Monday and I arrived back on a Friday. I had Lila who was, you know, at that stage, she was three till seven. And that was very challenging, but I was the only breadwinner in the family. And it was, you know, something where we went to 16 different territories and we made an, a re, an incarnation of, of the takeover, of the makeover show we did at What Not To Wear. But it was softer. We'd learned a lot. It was more emotional stories. I went from Israel to India to Australia. Um, and I, in that time, it was probably the hardest I've I mean, no, now I work the hardest, but then for me, it was quite it, most exhausting, all right? And most exhausting is the way to put it because I, I took, you know, 60 flights a year. Um, and I, even if I was in Israel, I want to come on the weekend and see my daughter. So, you know, it was very kind of, you know, driven by that. You both know that as parents. So I then kind of did th probably three years of that. And my Susanna and I just thought we can't do this anymore. And also, I was heading for 50 and 50 is a very climatic time for a woman. It can be incredibly challenging, but for me, ultimately 50 was very tricky, but 51 was very freeing. And um, at 51, I then didn't give a damn what anyone thought. And that is one of the most freeing things that you can do as a woman, you know, Marilyn, you're going, yes, but it's, it's the most freeing thing. So, so that time of 50 was tricky. I, I decided you know, Suzanne and I were exhausted. I'd always wanted to start this business. I'd always wanted to do it. And I just thought this is the time. And I was already, you know, taking my makeup and putting it in little pots. And, and I was in my bathroom mixing colors. And it was just a natural transition. But with anyone who, who wants to be an entrepreneur, many of your viewers might be at home and they might be thinking, this is the time when I'm thinking about a career change and what does that look like? And do I want to work for myself? Do I want to change my quality of life? You know, what's my work-life balance? All these things that we think about at this time and they've really zoned in on, you know, I think it's really made us think even more about these things. Um, and I just thought 
if the idea is inside my head, it's protected. You know, we can have a little dream of something we want to do and we can dream away how big it will be. And we never challenge whether it's successful or not because we don't get it outside onto the kitchen table. And I think the hardest thing when you have an idea is to get it out on the kitchen table and go to that next stage. And once you're at that next stage, which is like, okay, how do I finance this? How do I do my research? How do I know it's the right idea? How do I start to make the product? All these things. You're then on that journey. You're then going to find the way. You know, I'd, I'd stopped earning money. I was in a house too big for me. It was the house of my dreams. I'd kind of gone past the street for years and thought one day I'll own a house there. And I'd done that at a time when I was on my highest salary. And the next year I was nearly on my lowest salary. And I couldn't afford the mortgage. And it was painful because I'd done this house up by myself and my daughter's father, um, you know, I was no longer with him. And it was just something I had to then let go of in order to be able to start this business without huge debt. You know, debt is very crippling. And it's the thing that when you go to sleep at night, it's all you think about. Your clarity of thought is gone when you're consumed by that sense of debt. So I had to do you know, clear that big monthly debt I knew I was going to have. Then I had to, I'd raised a tiny bit of money for the business, but that then run out after a year. And then I realized, what have I got to sell? And even though I I am surrounded by clothes, um, you know, 20 years in fashion where I bought all the clothes for every show, I didn't get them loaned because I don't believe, you know, for me in lending. Um, Just, it was a very personal thing to me, um, but I just felt the need to support people. So, um, so I'd invested, you know, people might, you know, buy a picture or buy a nice piece of furniture. I'd bought clothes. And so I, I raised 60,000 um, pounds from those sales and I opened my house up. I went on Emily's list. I didn't know who was coming in my home. I didn't care. I needed to sell them. And that kept me going for another year, um, doing a bit more of the research I needed to do until I could get to a position where I had really good, you know, kind of credentials in, in getting the business ready. So. Going really far back to what you originally said, I'm sorry it took so long to get there, but it's about, you know, we take, okay, but we take risks in life and it's when are we ready to take that risk, you know, and and when you take that risk, something has got to be really solid that when you build on that, you're not building on quicksand. You know, I spent a lot of my life feeling when I was walking, the ground was down here. You know, I had that feeling. It's people call it imposter syndrome. Now it was different. It was just that kind of butterflies in your tummy feeling. And when you work in TV or or you're a writer, it's always about the next contract. Will I get the next deal? Will it be renewed next year? You know, there's a feeling of permanent. So building a business, that shift of fear changes, and you kind of have that thing of is it going to grow? Are people going to come? And and we did really slow growth in that first year because I wanted people to come to the brand and think, I love this. I understand this is more than just makeup. This is like changing how I feel about myself as a woman, which is what I want Trinity London to be. And so then we got this amazing connection of women, which we call the Trini tribe, but they were more than our customers. And there's now sort of 80,000 of them around the world, of which some are in Canada too. And they chat about all things Trini, you know, including makeup and how they feel about themselves and what things they're wearing that day. And, and the sort of premise of what this tribe is, which is totally autonomous, is this community of women. And they, you know, whenever I do a shout out on my channel saying join a tribe, especially during lockdown where our friendship parameters changed, you know, it was kind of, there were days where I thought, who do I call? Who's my friend now? Because I'm not physically seeing that person for coffee. And do I feel close to them and all this stuff? And I just said, 
if you feel you want to be judged on the woman that you wish to be today, not the woman that your husband or child or mother or sister or brother chooses to put you in a box to be, which is more familiar to them. But if you want to be that woman, join a Trinity tribe, you know, join a community where you can really sort of, you know, put on that new set of clothing and think, do I like this person? This is actually, this is who I want to be. Okay, I'm going to be me. And then you have that courage, that confidence, support for those women to then tell all the people in your life who know you already, this is who I want to be today. I love that. I love what you said too, uh, Alexis. I know you hear this loud and clear. You worked really hard. Uh, you were, it, it was exhaustive work. Now you're working hard. Yeah. There's different levels. You have peaks and valleys. Yeah. And adding a child into that, Alexis, really puts a difference yeah, changes on it things. too. So, boy, that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it changes things. But you know what? You, you wouldn't want it any other way. Do you have another question for Trini? Yeah, this one's really fun. I think a lot of the viewers are going to like this one. So this one is about trends, Trini. You always look super current, super modern. I don't think you get swayed by trends. So how do women kind of, when they're buying their wardrobe and they're styling themselves, how do they not get overwhelmed? How do they know what trends to choose? Because I feel like they're coming every week. There's a different trend. Somebody's telling you, this is cool. Yeah. This is not cool. I think yeah. it's a big challenge for a lot of women, especially to feel themselves when they get dressed. So how do you specifically look at trends every season and how do you incorporate them into your look? There's so many ways of addressing it. I'm going to say a few things. The first thing I'm going to say is Marilyn and I have probably seen leopard as a trend about nine times in our fashion life, all right? So so there are things Correct. that to me start as trends, mm -hmm. but they to me become classics. So to me, leopard print isn't a trend, it's a classic. So if you love mm -hmm. leopard print and it's very fashionable that season, you wear it, but you know, wear it because it suits you and it's gorgeous and, and you feel good in that trend, all right? So let's say we said, you know, trenches are a big trend every few seasons. I look dreadful in a trench. I'm enveloped by a trench. A trench wears me and it's usually in the most washing out colors. So me I just too. know I'm not. A, okay. Yes. I, you never can find one. So it's like, I'm never going to have a trench in my wardrobe. I'm going to reject that, reject that as a classic, as a trend of the season, whatever. And we've got colors. So, you know, there'll be each season a trend of a color and what it would do is it would slightly influence you you'll go into stores or you'll be online you'll keep seeing this color and if many of us have worn a devil wears prada and we've talked to you know we've seen how lovely meryl street talks about um you know that color blue you think that's just blue um but you know that's kind of we get that influence from designers and we'll see this trend now the thing is for example i think last year yellow was a trend now yellow is one of my favorite colors it's tricky to wear yellow, but like every color, every woman in my mind can wear every color, but colors go from really cool to neutral to really warm. So you just got to find the tone. So if let's say there's a color that season, you think, I love that color. It might be everyone this season is doing mustard yellow, which makes me look like a washed out, being ill for two weeks kind of person, but lemon doesn't. So okay, yellow is strong this season. I want to feel a part of that movement of the brightness of yellow. Let me choose my yellow. So I feel we can always choose our variation of that color if you want to, because there is something, I could say reject trends, but there's something about feeling, you know, we never want to, as women, if we have loved fashion at some stage in our life, we never want to feel we're no longer a part of it, or we are somehow excluded from it. So that's why it's really important to still look at what's there. My mom, when she was alive, she would say, Trini, can I still wear 
ex, you know, can I still wear a white jacket? And I said, you could always wear a white jacket. You can wear a white jacket now. The shape of it might change, you know. But then there's other things which I think are age-driven. So, Marilyn, I'm going to talk to you about this too. Um, Let's say at one stage we loved that real princess dress, you know, slightly high-waisted, just made us feel girly. It might have had a little sleeve like this, a little ruching. And we put it on now and we go, (laughs) because it's just, it's making us think, holy crap. Sorry, I can't say that on television. You'll have to keep it. But, you know, no, and and, and what's happening here is, is, is we're probably being reminded too much of when we wore it when we were like a teenager. Um, But that, you know, waistlines are waistlines and hemlines can make you look ageless or aged. And I think really that is the, 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 the kind of very nucleus of if you're trying to define what, why is this thing not working? It's going to be one of those two things. Probably it's going to be, is it giving you a waist, losing your waist, making it too high. So that slightly menopausal tummy is making you look pregnant. Um, you know, all those things, which never used to happen when you were younger. Um, and then with, with trouser lengths. So so a lot of women who maybe follow me, I have women of all different ages who follow me. So women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, they love a cropped ankle pant. It's great. It's kind of what, you know, in the time they grew up with trousers, with pants, they kind of knew that was a part of pant life, you know, like skinny jeans were a part of pant life. And the women in their 50s and 60s kind of say, Trini, why do you always wear these ankle uh, uh, trousers? And I wear them because when I wear them with a little sort of crop train or something, I feel ageless. And if I wear a trouser that breaks with a weird hem and a kind of old-fashioned shoe, I'd feel 20 years older. And those are such small tweaks. You know, somebody says to me, why do you always perhaps wear trainers a lot with things? Mainly because I have quite bad knees and those high vertiginous heels I used to wear don't work anymore. But also because a beautiful trainer, and when I say trainer, I mean a, a sort of flat shoe with sort of that has rubber or of some kind and maybe doesn't have a lace. Like, you know, I wear endlessly this I wish they bloody sold in America and thing, but you know, I wear that with this dress. So if I'd worn this dress 20 years ago, I would then, you know, this dress 20 years ago would have been, you know, with a nice heel and stuff. I can't go far enough back to show you, but by just having, you know, just having that kind of trainer, it dresses it down and the ability then to look at things in your wardrobe and think, you know, the cost per wear, it sits in the corner, it's in a nice cover. I bought it for that person's wedding. It cost me, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars. And get it out. Think how you can play it down, wear it with a pair of trainers, just not care that you wore it to that wedding ten years ago, because otherwise it's sitting in a wardrobe doing nothing. So all those little things contribute to, you know, not positioning yourself by can I do it anymore? It's just more all the just those are some of the things I think about when I when I'm dressing women or dressing myself. I learned so much from you, and it and I've always been a fan of yours. And then when Alexis told me how much she adored you, I said, "Well, these two have to meet." And and the three of us could go on and on, but we're running out of time. Trini, thank you so much for your time. We'll watch you. Where do people follow you? They follow me at Trini Woodall um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Trini London for makeup advice and products. Oh, that's great. And Alexis, your dream has come true. Okay, we'll all stay connected. Thank you both so much. (laughs) For sure. Thank you. Thank you, Trini. I love her so much. So if you want more practical, down-to-earth advice that makes you feel good about yourself, no matter your age, then join the Trini tribe. 
Just follow Trini at Trini Woodall on Instagram and Facebook. I do. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 